0: Tonight, our Metro Focus Migrant Crisis Report continues with the debate over helping others or putting Americans first. As angry protesters gather outside, cameras take you inside a migrant shelter for a look at the conditions they're fighting about. Then, are the migrants to blame for the city's biggest issues, or have these problems been here all along? Metrofocus starts right now.
1: This is Metro Focus with Raphael Piraman, Jack Ford, and Jenna Flanagan. Metro Focus is made possible by the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gans Cooney Fund, Philemon M. D'Agostino Foundation, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, and by Jody and John Arnhold, Bernard and Denise Schwartz, Dr. Robert C. and Tina Sohn Foundation, the Ambrose Monell Foundation, estate of Roland Carlin.
0: Good evening and welcome to Metro Focus and night two of our migrant crisis special report on Jack Ford. The migrant crisis has reached a critical mass in New York City. It has pitted the mayor, the governor and the president against each other and has caused communities to clash across the city. Last night we covered the impact that the arrival of over 100,000 migrants has had on the city's resources and neighborhoods and how much this will end up costing taxpayers. Tonight, we're looking at the ongoing debate between helping the migrants or helping Americans first. While some New Yorkers are protesting the new shelters, others are working to support them and arguing that the city's problems existed long before any bus arrived from the Southern border. I'm joined once again by WABC New York reporter, Sefan Kim, community correspondent for Documented, Ramel Ojeda, Upper West Side resident and small business owner Joe Germanata and Ilza Thielman, the director of Team TLC NYC, an organization helping migrants. Let's take a look at some policies that have been placed here that that um, have contributed in in some fashion or another to this migrant crisis. And Sifan, let me come to you first, if I can. We hear oftentimes that New York City has declared itself a sanctuary city. Generally speaking, what does that mean?
2: Well, you know, generally speaking, and this goes back to the Trump administration, right? Um, The the idea was that the city would welcome with open arms uh, people like this, asylum seekers, migrants. And I actually think that for political reasons, uh, for the reasons at the time when Mayor Adams um, said this, it it made sense, right? The issue is it sort of put him into a box because now it's hard to, to describe describe some of the things that we've just described, you know, flyers at the border discouraging migrants. You've sort of now put yourself at, at odds with your own words. And, and that's where this has become tricky politically for the mayor. You, you say you, from the outset, you know, open arms sanctuary city. And now suddenly it's wait a second, maybe we can handle this. And that's the, the box that he kind of found himself in.
0: Joe, as a, a citizen, somebody who has lived here for a long time, what do you think of the notion generally? of and i'm not talking about now the crisis we're talking about because as we've said before i don't think anybody when you said a a sanctuary city or the, the the notion um of of a right to housing i don't think anybody ever anticipated this but generally speaking what do you think of the idea of new york city declaring itself a sanctuary city
3: well i'm not i'm not as opposed to it being a sanctuary city but I think the city needed to, to do more planning in um, having the affordable housing all right, up front. All right. There's been years and years of, of investments, proposed investments in affordable housing. And it just hasn't taken place. I mean, one of it was I think I think Mayor de Blasio's wife was given a billion dollars to to look into this, and I we don't see any results from it so my in summary i would say the planning process is really where the system breaks down all right there's no affordable housing when they are placing migrants or or asylum seekers in locations they really need to assess okay where are we putting them all right are we putting them in a residential neighborhood are we putting them out on the island in the you know the tents city that they just built out there, you know, they could have put them on cruise ships, they could have put them they could put them in a host of different locations. Okay? But marry, you know, marry the type of pe- individuals, the people with the neighborhood. All right? I mean, to give you an example, when they moved the young men out of the uh out of the center on my block, they moved them out to Randall's Island because they weren't behaving. <laughs> It's basically the answer. So now, and they were very upset that they were leaving. I mean, they were living in a first class location. They had, you know, uh, one to two people per room. Now they did have common bathrooms and common showers and things like that, because it was a college dormitory. But then, you know, they got the free laundry, they got, they got, you know, free meals, etc. Why would they want to leave?
0: Elza, Elza, let me come to you about, uh, again, that that same question, that idea of New York City declaring itself as a sanctuary city. Is, are we seeing a scenario where where you might want to say, kind of be careful what you wish for, because the designation, as I said, was welcoming to a lot of people, but now all of a sudden we have way more people showing up, and it'd be hard for us to step up and say,
1: sanctuary city, well, not really. I agree with you. And I don't think it's so much be careful what you wish for. I think it's be careful about using rhetoric that you don't necessarily believe in. Uh This city has always been, whether we've called it or not, the city has always been a sanctuary city. And of course, there have always been people who have disagreed with being a sanctuary city and have not been as welcoming. Um, but I absolutely agree with what Joe just said is that in that the city has really failed to plan for this. There, this is a long time coming. This the, the shelter system has been in a shambles for decades and the, bail, the, the, the lack of affordable housing in this city has added to the homeless problem. So when you pour on top of that, this international crisis. And it's not just a national crisis. It is an international crisis of migrants moving from place to place all over the globe, but due to climate change and political dis- disruption and 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 and, the, and covid and all kinds of things um when you pour that on top of a situation that was already crumbling of course you're going to feel pain so the city has failed to plan for a long time and the city also failed to plan when we saw this coming now i said earlier that this was a surprise for us but it, um in a fa- in, in in reality i had a meeting at city hall with a number of um of stakeholders in july of 2022 where we said this is coming. We don't know when, we don't know how big it's going to be, but this is coming and we have to start planning for it. And the city did not. And to this point, the city still has not really come up with a plan. It's in reactive mode. It's constantly running from crisis to crisis and saying we just need more money without ever being able to show why we're estimating that's going to be $4 billion, how we would spend that money, that we would spend any money that we receive from the federal government responsibly, as opposed to doing these no-bid contract, contracts for half a billion dollars. So the city continues to sort of scramble and and be in crisis mode when it had every opportunity to plan and should still be uh, planning for what is still coming down the pike.
0: Check.
2: Can
1: Oftentimes
0: I have, we uh, hear yeah, Stefan, go ahead. I was gonna come anyway, so in anyway. I just want to add that the
2: point is, you know, you we brought up Randall's Island, right? There's a reason why migrants don't want to be on places like Randall's Island. And the reason is if you look around Manhattan, they cannot work because until recently they didn't have the authorized work permits. So the jobs that they can find, largely if you look around the eyeball test, it tells you it's food delivery work, right? On Randall's Island, it, they don't have access to work. And so that is kind of in fairness to the mayor, the point has been making about the work authorization. This is why they can't move out of shelters and be self-sustaining. I'd also uh, quote the deputy mayor when they opened the Creedmoor Herc site, um, and look, take it for what you will, you can believe it or not, but the administration's response to this is quote, we're out of good options. We have only bad options left, uh, we're at the bottom of the barrel, and that's a quote, right? So whether you agree with that's the right, right way to respond to this, that's at least their position on this: is that they can't, they're treading water, right? They can't keep up with this. Um, and I, I, I think all sides agree that the affordable housing crisis is, has contributed to all of this, right? The reason why the shelter system is overburdened to begin with is because the affordable housing crisis has not been dealt with for years, many years prior to this administration. So I think everybody would agree that this is a problem that. Was built up long before this these last two years and the city was wholly unprepared for for that reason
0: that's an interesting and honest comment about we're, we're out of options we have only bad options left um nice to see the honesty but a little troubling to to see the lack of optimism for all of that hey ramel you you and your colleagues have spent a lot of time actually having conversations with the migrants that are coming into this city yeah, generally speaking what are you learning from them about why why have they come to the U.S. and why have they come to New York City?
4: Uh, it depends case by case. But the majority of the people, you know, they are either fleeing violence, domestic you know, violence, um, or if they belong to like a political group, they sort of, you know, have to leave their country. Otherwise, they could face uh, persecution. And the reason why they come to New York City, aside from being bused sometimes, is because the language, right? They In New York City, you can get away with speaking Spanish and then learning English as you sort of progress. But also, it's also, you know, it's the things that they consume in social media, right? Saying like, hey, you know, we're going to give you a shelter here and help you get back on your feet, which was the case for, for a while. And, you know, has been going on until we sort of saw the flyers being being handed out in the border and also the 60 day notices that will, you know, put single men and single women too like out of the shelters. Um, But then there's also family, right? Some people have families here that have been well-established. They come through the city, they don't stay at the shelters, but they move along and, you know, go and stay with their families. Or they also end up leaving the the city as soon as they get away, you know, to pay their their bus bill, for example. Uh, Because we got to keep in mind that 115,000 people have come in the past, you know, two years. But It's only 60,000 people that have remained in the shelter system and usually those people tend to be people that don't have family members here so they don't really have this you know assistance that could help them move along I would say right. uh, Stefan let me come to another story
0: that you did we had talked previously about the one you did at the facility in Staten Island um, you also took a look at a, a this is a, a temporary uh, tent shelter uh, in Queens let's take a look a quick look at that
2: as tempers flare outside the city's newest migrant tent city in Queens Village. You have refused to leave the roadway. You will be placed under arrest on the charge of disorderly conduct. Tension is building between Mayor Adams and Governor Hochul over the city's handling of the migrant crisis. In a scathing 12-page letter from the governor's council responding to a judge who ordered the state to identify its response to the city, the state ripped the Adams administration of dragging its feet. It's the first time we're seeing cracks in their partnership.
1: Well, it is true that they did not accept some of the help we offered. That's a statement of fact. I can show you all the sites we offered when they were in need of state-owned sites. We pr- offered them months ago. They're still available.
2: The governor says there are a dozen sites on the state's list, including Aqueduct Racetrack in Queens and Riverbank State Park in Harlem.
4: We're going to sit down and show her why we could not use those places. Uh, she stated that the invoicing of getting the invoices in uh, were taking too long. We want to sit down and show her why it took that long.
2: The state also accuses the Adams administration of ignoring its suggestion in June of last year to set up a tent city for adult migrant men to prevent this shelter system from being overrun. The mayor and governor, though, today taking turns massaging their friendship, downplaying the friction.
4: People want to see the governor and I fight. That's not going to happen. I like her she likes me. People uh,
1: enjoy, particularly the media, identifying any disagreements as a major fight. So that relationship is, strong. My point is, we are here to help.
2: As for this hurt behind me, which opened yesterday, and the one being built on Randall's Island right now, they're being paid for by the state. In Queens Village, Stefan Kim, Channel 7, Eyewitness News.
0: So. Tell me, what did you find in terms of, of the conditions here? And I'd and asked you this previously were you surprised by what you found?
2: Well, let me caveat that by saying that you know we get a tour of the Reynolds Island Herc, and then the one you just saw in that piece at Creedmoor. Um Look, we only get to see for maybe an hour before they're you know housed there, so we don't have eyeballs inside there after you know the first week or so. So let me just caveat that. But from based on what we saw. Look, largely this is a facility, while it's remote and and not anywhere near the services that they would want to be near, um, you know, it is, it's heated, it's, it's, it's sheltered, there's laundry service, all of that. Um, the main difference, then we asked about what's different about this Herc versus Reynolds Island, the administration will claim like we learned some ways to cost cut here and there, right? It might be something like the first Herc where they had, you know, three different catered meals uh, different Latin cuisines were rotated out. I think they cut down on some of those things. You know, you didn't see on the first Reynolds on a herc, you saw couches with X-boxes, right? You didn't see that the second time around. Um, so, you know, I think admittedly the administration had, um, cut some of the fat, um, but, you know, let's again caveat that by saying reporters don't have access to these hercs, you know, weeks or days or months after the fact, we're getting in there when it's brand spanking new, mint out of the box. And so that's, that's the only thing that we're seeing. Yeah.
0: Joe, let me come back to you, because uh, I, I mentioned in the introduction, uh, resident of the West Side, small business owner you have a restaurant that you run. And we're talking about the impact that this this migrant crisis has had on New Yorkers at every level. What's the impact that you have seen on your business?
3: Well, I, I think overall, there's a perception problem. I mean, first, I mean, we're, we're we've had an increase in crime in New York. All right, so I've seen the, the foot traffic go down significantly on, on Columbus Avenue, right? Um, from a, a business point of view, I'm still seeing a fair amount of um, international travelers coming into the restaurant, but I'm not seeing as much of, you know, the, the surrounding the, sub, the suburbs and the and Connecticut and, and New Jersey, that traffic is kind of diminishing. And a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, we're right by Lincoln Center and the Beacon Theater. And the, I mean, there's a lot of activity in, in, you know, in our neighborhood that there are attractions and they're not, they're not enjoying them anymore because they don't want to come to New York. There's no place to park because there's probably 500 motor scooters everywhere, right? They've got all these, these you know, street facilities for restaurants that's taken up all the parking. All right the streets are filthy all right it, it's it, the city's a mess now i just want to add one one thing to what was said earlier about work permits
0: mm-hmm. i think
3: work permits are going to be even a bigger problem because interesting of, as why far as i know well because what i understand is the, the 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 right now the adult men have to leave the facilities in 30 days all right now they're going to get a work permit they're going to get a work permit, and what type of work are they going to be able to get? Delivering from Grubhub or DoorDash, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They're not going to make enough money to live in the, you know, in even the the outskirts of New York City, right? And as a result, they're not going to end up living on the street, and we're going to end up looking like San Francisco in about six months.
0: Jack, can Bills I Go ahead, so, Stefan, you first, so, and then Ilza, I want to get your, your thought on, on this, the notion of, of will this, you know, this this fairly heralded, we mentioned it before, fairly heralded deal struck with the federal government saying, okay, we're going to change the rules and they can get these temporary work permits. And um, And the question is, is will this be helpful? Stefan, you first, and then Ilza, and I, just, I want want your to, thoughts.
2: just want to add that to Joe's point, that is actually one of the talking points from the Republican side, right, is that this would only encourage more migrants to come. I mean, look, time will tell, but I wanted to sort of raise this point, too not necessarily a migrant issue but to the point Joe was making about the city and the current state so we just saw the mta's numbers and we often say we know when the city's back when the ridership is back to pre-covid levels it has reached that that said i've always made this sort of half joke that the real barometer for knowing when the city's back is if you go to any Dwayne reed or cvs on upper west side what do you see you see armed security guards and they have deodorant locked up it's just a fact right just the other day Target announced closing stores in Manhattan. If you go just across the river to New Jersey, five minutes away, I can assure you, you're not having to get a clerk to unlock deodorant to come make a purchase. So the general state of the city and the crime is relevant uh, to Joe's point. Yeah,
0: um, Ilza, your your thoughts on the the efficacy, let's call it, of the the work permits? The idea, again, as I said, it was it was heralded as. A a step, not the step, but a step that might help to alleviate the problems here, get people out, they can work, they can start earning some money, they can start affording their lives. Although, as Joe says, this is New York City. It's really hard to afford to live here. What do you think about that proposal?
1: Yeah, I first want to just address what I'm hearing. A little this sounds a little bit like scapegoating. Um, there are a lot of problems in this city. And so the city there is more crime. And we I I hate going to Dwayne Reed and having to get someone to help me get deodorant out off the counter. Uh, but uh, that is not the migrants' fault. And- I never
2: suggested that, to be clear. I- I'm making the larger point about Joe and the crime in the city in general.
1: Right, right. So I just, I just, I do want to, you know, I, I'm not suggesting that you were saying that, but I think viewers listening to this um, may make that connection. And I think that the mayor would like people to make that connection. The mayor has expressly... Scapegoated these migrants and said that because it's going to cost $4 billion, which again, he has not shown his arithmetic for that, because it's going to cost $4 billion a year, we will have we will see other services suffer. So now every time there's a problem with the sanitation, Joe was saying the streets are filthy with the subway not running on time with anything else, um, it's going to be the migrants fault. And um, that is really unfortunate because this is already a very vulnerable po- vulnerable population, and for the mayor to be putting all of the problems of this city onto their down at their feet is is dangerous. I mean, yeah. to say that that's
0: the- a good point. It, it gets me to something else that I did want to ask, and it's exactly that point. And Rumel let me come to you about this because then you've been talking to people. Uh, we we have learned, and sometimes painfully, that words matter, especially words from people who were in the public eye. We only have to point to January 6th as evidence for that. And we've seen some critics say of of Mayor Adams specifically saying this can destroy the city. We've seen people say that's dangerous, that that could create a scenario where now you might have indeed not just um, a, a anger, but violence directed at migrants by people who were saying the mayor said that their their presence here could destroy the city that i live in ramel what do you think about that
4: yeah it's definitely a very very dangerous rhetoric to be saying that because we have seen this increase of anti-immigrant you know, sentiment in all neighborhoods basically uh, we have people opposing you know like shelters opening up and also these respite centers from you know being used at the Churches that were not used for you know four years, for example, right. So yeah, words do matter. Um, but I think it's we're going back to this you know notion of like scapegoating the migrants for everything that's wrong with the city, with the dirtiness. You know, if we look back to the pandemic, um, the Department of Sanitation was lacking a budget to actually clean the cities, and a lot of mutual aids were teaming up to clean up the streets right outside my house too, which is in Astoria. You know, and it's one of the neighborhoods that's doing pretty well. You know, according to the um, to the statistics so we have a lot of problems coming from the pandemic right now you know we're seeing this being exacerbated by the budgets that's not being you know over overseen and we're throwing money to these nobody contracts you know left and right uh but yeah like if we are scapegoating this group you know we need to sort of address that because it's not their fault like at the end of the day we already had a homeless population that was exceeding the numbers and they were in the shelter for decades the streets were already you know dirty um, I'm sure you can check the data on the, the the times the Department of Sanitation were called just to, you know, clean up. And the same thing with the parks, right? Like they were always, you know, sort of uh, they needed more maintenance. Um, I do feel that now because we hear migrants from every single newsroom being covered, we can point a finger at something. But the thing is, you know, and I want to touch a little bit on work permits as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the migrants they want to work, right? We saw this last year when they were traveling to Florida to clean up the, after the hurricane had damaged one of the cities. Uh, we also see now people once they get their work permit and they cannot find work here, they're going to Albany, they're going out of the state. So in a way, I think it is going to alleviate the, the you know the amount of people that we have in the shelters. Is it going to solve you know the affordable housing? Definitely not, because even people that were born here and that have good jobs they're spending 50% of their income on, on rents. So that's, you know, another issue on its own. But I do feel that the 15,000 people that can apply for TPS and will be able to get the work permits faster, they're going to have more options, you know. They're not, maybe they're, they will say like, hey, you know, New York City is too expensive for me. Uh, perhaps I can travel, you know, elsewhere. And we have organizations that are helping relocate people with that, helping them find housing in Albany, helping them look for a job. And I think there just, there just needs to be more coordination between all agencies on a local level, but, but also on a federal level, because I feel that other states could benefit from migrants that want to work and that have work authorization you know, permits.
2: Just to go back to an earlier point, and, and I completely understand how the rhetoric coming out of City Hall can sort of make this uh, connection to scapegoating migrants in the mayor's defense. And I don't mean to be his spokesperson here, but I think they would argue that they're trying to, no, they wouldn't say it in these words, scapegoat the White House. But I completely understand that the point here is that that when you viewer a viewer reader can make a connection to the migrants themselves, um, this is a political you know, game that he's been dealt. And in fairness, it is not it's a federal problem. Right. And I think that he's just reacting and to use the word that's been used before on this panel, reacting um, to a situation that is unprecedented in fairness.
0: If you look, I got about I got a minute and a half left. So um, Romel, let me come to you. If you could, we talked before about being in a room with some of these people, you could be in a room with the, the leaders, the governmental leaders who can make the decisions here. What would you say needs to be done? Again, it's not the answer, but perhaps an answer that helps us to alleviate this crisis.
4: Um, a lot of the you know that sounds the topic that comes up is you know the money right so i think we need to have like better oversight of where the money is going how it's being implemented and also um there needs to be this we need to stop this response of acting on emergency right because we're acting this in emergency mode where we're just throwing money here and there without really thinking you know how much should something cost and it's gonna be good for the long run because Unfortunately, we live in a very expensive city and there's going to be more people that f- are facing housing insecurity. So we need to find this way to build a system that where we can move people from, you know, temporary housing to affordable housing and hopefully you know, help them sustain it.
0: Can I can I add one point? Yeah, Go ahead, Joe. I'll give you the last word. Jump in real quick. OK, um,
3: I mean, Kamala Harris was you know she was chartered with finding the root cause. Um, root repairing the root causes for migration all right and and that hasn't happened we don't know what she's done all right from our point of view in the united states we have to close the border until we get our act together i'm not saying we should not accept asylum seekers and not upset i mean we're all immigrants all right when my grandparents came over they had to have a place to live and a job before they got here that's not the same as opening the door and saying, come on in. We'll give you all kinds of free stuff. Of course, they're going to come here. So first mission is let's get that border closed and then let's get an immigration process back in order.
0: Well, there are, there are so many issues, but I want to thank all of you because you've all contributed to a, I think a very thoughtful conversation today. Uh, about very difficult and complex issues, not easily solvable. Uh, But I think the thoughts that we heard from all of you today help put all of this into perspective and help us understand better and certainly can never solve anything if you don't first understand the extent of the problem. So thank you all for spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. We'll hope we'll talk with you again in the future because I suspect this is something we're gonna need to wrestle with continuously before we get it resolved. You all be well, thank you again.
1: Thanks so much, Jack. Thank you. Thanks, Jack.